Hello and welcome back to 15 Minutes of Fascism, a sadly topical podcast covering the global rise of the radical right. I'm Craig Johnson, and this week I'm bringing to you just a See You in Hell, a special episode about a dead right-wing figure in history. This week I'm going to be talking about Ante Pavelic, a Croatian nationalist and collaborator with the Nazis and the Italians in World War II. Pavelic was born in what is today Herzegovina, an uh, Ottoman territory that was currently occupied by the Austrians uh, back in 1889. He was of Croatian heritage, although his family was not living in what is now present-day Croatia, uh, and he was living in this extremely multicultural environment of southeastern Europe, which uh, mixed people of various ethnicities and of Catholic, Orthodox, and Muslim practicing. Uh, he did extremely well in school and ultimately entered law school and finally got a JD and practiced law in a, you know, the major city of Croatia, Zagreb. Uh, he entered politics as a member of the Party of Rights, an ultranationalist party active in the Croatian sector of what would become Yugoslavia. Uh, the Party of Rights was a staunch supporter of Croatian independence from Yugoslavia, as was Pavelic himself. He rose to prominence in this party through his activism, through his organizing, and through his, you know, judicial prowess, and ultimately went into exile from Yugoslavia in 1929, when the king of Yugoslavia dissolved its parliament and instituted a dictatorship, partly in order to stop a lot of the nationalist uprisings and fervor that was happening in that country at the time. While in exile, Pavelic founded the Ustasa movement, a far-right fascist nationalist organization. His initial exile took him to Hungary and then to Germany, which was by then run by the Nazi party. Uh, but finally, he found himself really settled down in fascist Italy. In fascist Italy, he had already made a lot of contact with the Italian fascist party, uh, including some correspondence with Benito Mussolini himself. With the aid of the Italian fascist party and also the Italian state, the Ustasa movement engaged in a lot of terrorism and sabotage in Yugoslavia uh, in the interests of promoting Croatian independence. This effort culminated in the assassination of the king of Yugoslavia, Alexander I, in Marseille, France. Uh, this forced the Italian government to um, put Pavelic back behind the scenes. Uh, he was arrested, you know, put under house arrest, put under surveillance, that sort of thing. Because, you know, the Italians couldn't just like completely openly harbor a, uh, a member of a terrorist organization, well, not just a member, but the leader of a terrorist organization that had assassinated the king of one of their neighboring states. However, a few years later, by 1941, world tension had really been rising, and that sort of position was much more tenable. Uh, this ultimately also involved the collapse of Yugoslavia, the internal collapse of Yugoslavia in 1941, partly as a result of this assassination of Alexander I. So Yugoslavia collapses internally and very shortly thereafter is invaded on multiple fronts by the Axis, both by the Germans and by the Italians. In the wake of this invasion, Pavelic is returned to Croatia and gets his wish in supposedly, officially, independent Croatia. Officially, this country was known as the independent state of Croatia. In reality, it was a puppet of both the 
Nazi, German, and fascist Italian governments, which put it in a very complicated position. And that was exactly the position that Pavelic found himself in as the prime minister of this country. And the country was technically a monarchy run by an Italian king, but in reality, Pavelic and the Ustasa movement controlled the country in much the same model as the fascist party and uh, Nazi parties ran Italy and Germany, respectively. This country, the independent state of Croatia, consisted of modern Croatia, as well as most of Bosnia-Herzegovina, and also some of some other neighboring Southeast European countries. Pavelic collaborated with the Italian and German states in all of their efforts in the 1940s, including the Holocaust and uh, genocide. Pavelic's government was responsible for the deaths of tens of thousands of people of Jewish descent and Roma people in Croatia and Bosnia-Herzegovina, and as such is responsible for one of the most proportionately murderous regimes in all of world history. Pavelic's collaboration with the Germans and the Italians is what made the rest of his life follow the path that it ultimately did. At first, the independent state of Croatia was a little bit independent. You know, they were allowed some independent activity, including starting their own uh, Holocaust-type system, a system of military camps, death camps, and labor camps. However, as the war lengthened into the mid-30s, Germany's grip on its puppet states increased. And rather than be allowed to run their country independently and to police their country independently, the Germans instead essentially occupied their supposed ally. This control extended and increased up until the collapse of Nazi Germany in 1945 uh, with the invasion of the Allied forces. Pavelic, seeing the writing on the wall, appointed a different person to be the official leader of this country while he sought exile and escape in Italy. He entered Italy in 1946 and spent two years hiding there under a pseudonym and finally escaped uh, along with many other former fascists, uh, including a number of Croatian fascists, to South America in 1948. He went, where else? To Argentina. In Argentina, Pavelic continued his political outreach, uh, specifically trying to organize extreme nationalist Croatians throughout the world, especially those who had entered exile, like himself, for their involvement in fascist regimes, like his own. He was also a personal advisor to the Peron family as a security advisor, but he also had to do several odd jobs in order to maintain his just income. Uh, it was quite difficult for him because he couldn't operate in public because he was wanted internationally for his crimes. In Argentina, he faced several assassination attempts, including one that, while unsuccessful, did ultimately kill him. Uh, he had an attempted assassination on him in 1957 by a Serbian nationalist and former Yugoslav military officer. While this assassination attempt did not kill him on that day, it did give him a severe spinal wound that would ultimately be his undoing. This uh, assassination attempt made him more obvious. You know, he, he, he was put out of hiding while in the hospital for this injury. And the Argentine government was going to extradite him back to Europe where he would face criminal charges, where he would be tried for his crimes against humanity. Uh, in the face of this, he went into a short period of exile in Chile and then finally escaped to 
well, where else do fascists go other than Argentina? He went to Spain uh, later in 1957. And it was there in Madrid in the hospital that he died of complications from his assassination attempt. This Week in History, 28th of December, 1959. So, Antipa we will see you in hell. All right, that was a brief episode of 15 Minutes of Fascism. I'm Craig Johnson, thanking Sleepy Kitty Arts and Sleepy Kitty Music for our intro, outro, and graphics. If you enjoyed the podcast, please like, share, and subscribe. Please let your friends know about it. Please share it with friends, family, and comrades. Leave a review on whatever it is you're listening to this on. If you really enjoyed the podcast, check out my Patreon at patreon.com slash 15 Minutes of Fascism. That's 15 Minutes of Fascism, all one word. And in compensation for this relatively short episode this week, next week we're going to have two episodes, a normal episode of 15 Minutes of Fascism and a special recap episode about the attempted coup that occurred, well, a year from the date that the next episode will be released, January 6th. Uh, That episode is going to be a 15-minute recap of what we know about the Donald Trump government and his political allies, what we know about their involvement in the planning of the coup. This is going to be stuff that I've been talking about throughout the last year, but I'm going to condense it into a 15-minute segment. So, you know, the next time you find yourself arguing with somebody or trying to convince someone about their involvement in this coup, about the fact that they clearly, transparently just planned it, uh, it's going to be a resource that you'll be able to use and access for that. All right, I will talk to you next week.